We're now going to head over to South Australia, I'm assuming, to speak with Grant Birch. Good morning to you, Grant. Morning, Simon. How are you? Yeah, going well, thank you. Um, where do we find you today? In, in Barossa or where? Um, <clears throat> no, actually, I'm in Adelaide. Um, we're uh, um, uh, called Corriton Birch. Our new brand is sponsors of the Adelaide Cab- Cabaret Festival. So we've oh. been to... Uh, a few shows uh, last night and um, just staying, um, staying down, but heading off home um, in a while. So, uh, yeah, the sun's shining and it's looking uh, great today. Well, that's good because we get that in a few days' time. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do. <laughs> um, so uh, it's been a little while since you've been on the airwaves um, with us, uh, so we, we need to probably have a bit of an update on on what is uh, Grant Burge and family up to um, and uh, and what is Burge Barossa. So um, maybe take us through, um, you know, the journey. You, you Obviously, you've sold the brand maybe nine years ago um, and then you've, you've always had some family um, vineyards and things. So tell us, uh, yeah, tell us what's, what's happening. And as Rich, I said, you know, one of the most famous names in the industry. So... Um, <laughs> tell us, tell us the uh, story since. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's been a, an interesting time, and uh, yes, it was nine years ago that we uh, uh, we decided to sell the uh, uh, we just sold the the brand uh, and the wine. Uh, Grant Burge, uh, the wines had um, grown to quite a big business, and actual crisis where we decided to put on a sales force. Our sales went through the roof. Um, and uh, of course, in the wine industry, where you've got to um, um, put down a lot to support all your sales, and we were in big in the sparkling wine, which is a two-year maturation, and also red wine. So um, that's a two-year maturation. So if your sales increase rapidly, uh, you've got to rapidly put down a whole lot more stock, which we did, which is um, basically money. Um, and uh, so we got ourselves into. Um, uh, a pretty big position and um, uh, we were sort of getting into our 60s and um, children wanted to join the business. Uh, we had a fair bit of debt and um, um, we uh, sort of thought, well, how are the um, children going to gradually take over the business? And um, so we thought, well, what are we going to do? We didn't really want all this debt um, and uh, we ended up finding, I mean, the children said to us, well, uh, Dad, really, Grant Burge Wines is, uh, is your baby. And, uh, you know, we'd like to be obviously in the wine industry, but um, 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 really do our own thing to a degree. Mm. So um, uh, we ended up finding, uh, we agonised over this for two years because, you know, half of me hates this and half of uh, <laughs> is good because... We um, uh, now we found um, Accolade who were keen to buy just the brand and the wine, mm-hmm. and the wine was worth a lot of money. So um, you know that's what in the end we did. So uh, the kids um, uh, wanted to um, make sure that we kept all the vineyards and and the winery, and um, uh, because they obviously wanted. Um, I mean, they've always said, well. We're very fortunate because we've got about 25 different vineyards around the Brossa um, yeah. and probably have the, the most old vines, not the oldest, but certainly we've got, I think, 80 hectares of vines over 70 years old and wow. obviously the, the children wanted to protect those, so yeah. we, uh, um, that's what we ended up doing. 
And there was a, you had a pretty iconic cellar door, didn't you? Right ne- next to Jacobs Creek, wasn't it? It's, yes. Well, um, um, we um, we ended up um, with the we we had bought the um, in 1993 we bought the Bazado Winery in Tanunda, so we had a, a winery and cellar door there. And we also um, in '99 bought back, I think, for the second time, the Crondolf Winery, where actually we live, uh, right next to the winery. And so we had two cellar doors, and um, the, the Jacobs Creek um, cellar doors when we first started Grand Beach Wines back in 1988. Oh, and right. um, we uh, we were always going to build a winery there, um, but then we ended up with these two other wineries, which was a bit silly to recreate the third one, and. Uh, Alanda, who owned the well, um, Jacobs Creek uh, people, Fernando Ricardo, who owned uh, um, you know Jacobs Creek, they really wanted it, um, and they kept um, pestering us to buy the, the the cellar door for years and years and years, and we'd sort of said no, no, no. Uh, but in the end, that became uh, impractical with sort of three different sites. So uh, in the end, we. Um, we decided to um, sell up there and uh, and move and concentrate on the uh, well Bazado now is called Illapara, which is the original name of the winery, um, and um, and the Crondolf um, cellar door, so which is up the road from Rockford. So we uh, we exited that I think in um, um, you know middle two thousand. And have you have you been to the redevelopment? That's St Hugo cellar door. Do you get a bit yes, sad yes, with that, yes, or do you, yes, do you think it's a good thing? <laughs> Oh yes, well they, um, I mean, um, they just sort of did a lot of the things that we were hoping to do, but never really had the money to uh, finish mm-hmm. off what we'd started. And um, uh, it's great to see that they really did put the money into it and have really uh, um, developed in the same style. And um, I think it's fantastic what they've uh, what they've done. Is, and, is this um, the, the old brick cottage type? Place? It's the stone. It's it. no, the the actual uh, is the original. Um, um, Jacobs Creek Winery. Um, oh. It was a winery, um, <clears throat> um, and um, it's um, you know one of the um, gravity wineries where you fermented upstairs oh. and then ran all the wine down into the cellar underneath where all the vats and barrels and things were. Mm. And uh, I think that continued to the early 1900s. But um, the Jacobs brothers became shareholders in Shadow Tanunda, and Shadow Tanunda. Um, it was a lot bigger winery, and uh, in the end, I think they moved most of their um, winemaking to, to Shadow Tanunda, mm. and it closed down. Almost looked more and, like a chapel or something. That, that, that yes, it did. Building. It's very. <laughs> you're right. It's um, uh, very uh, um, ecclesiastical. I would say yes. It, it looks yes, that way. <laughs> well, I, I have a certain reverence for wine in terms of that mm. as well, so that's yeah. okay. Mm. Um, hey, Just to clear up what you said yeah. before, our new brand um, with the children uh, joined the business um, uh, is Corriton Burge. Corriton Park was a, one of our really uh, top uh, vineyards up in the Adelaide, uh, up in the Eden Valley, yep. and a beautiful big mansion on it and so forth. And I bought that in the uh, middle 19, uh, 1990s. And uh, but we could never afford to really do up the, the house. We had to get uh, vineyards and things going. And Andrew Calliard said to me one day, "You should join the the uh, the Corriton with the Burge, a bit like the Mouton Rothschild and the Lafitte Rothschild." And so um, <laughs> we did that and got that trademarked. And uh, so it was never really part of the Grant Burge uh, situation. So 
when we're looking for a new name, uh, the, the, the children decided that uh, that's what, what they would like. And just to explain the Birds Barossa, uh, when we sold Grant Birch Wines, um, uh, we had a lot of our properties and things in um, um, in, in Grant Birch Wines name, but because we couldn't use that, we had to change the name of our company to uh, Birds Barossa. So Birds Barossa is really Helen and I, and um, it's all our vineyards and um, um, uh, winery. And the children um, and um, started up a new um, company called Birds Family Wine Estates, which actually have the the brand. So Helen and I grow all the grapes and they run the wineries, and the children uh, um, buy the grapes from us and uh, make the wine and uh, um, develop a new yeah. new brand. Mm. <laughs> wow, um, it's it's amazing how things evolve, isn't it? You know, and just the history. You know, you you've been in your family have been in wine for. Very, very long time, haven't they? Yes, well, we uh, we sort of one of the pie, even though they were, we were English settlers, whereas most of the Brossa are of um, you know German descent. Um, and our family came to the Brossa in 1855, and that's an interesting story as well because um, John Burge was a uh, tailor by trade, and um, but he'd um, um, was actually an orphan, and his parents were killed in a coaching accident. Um, and he got brought up with a lady called. Um, they got brought up. Well, he got brought up by a lady called Mrs. Sloper. I don't know her first name, uh, but we've checked all this out in the English records, and it, mm-hmm. uh, it all seems to be fairly accurate. Yeah. Uh, but she was a maid in Queen Victoria's court, and she obviously knew who to talk to. Um, and um, uh, he he sold footman's uniforms to Queen Victoria's court and did very well out of that. Tried his luck in Europe, and we're not sure how that went. But uh, in his travels, he got very interested in wine, so he knew a bit more about winemaking than most English people. He bought a, um, uh, sorry, he's, he married um, Eliza Springbit, and the Springbits had bought shares in this South Australia company, well, which gave you for every share with a pound a share, every share you had uh, gave you the right to come out to South Australia under your own passage. That the, the one share was worth um, uh, gave you the right to take up an acre of land. So if you had 500 shares, you came out here and took up 500 acres of land, and uh, that's what the Springbits did, and started a, 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 a planted vineyards. They must have been promoting viticulture, so they planted vineyards, um, built a winery from um, just sort of studying books and so forth. Started making wine. Uh, wine didn't turn out very well because they knew really not what they were doing. <laughs> And uh, what are we going to do? So uh, uh, we'll get um, our daughter and son-in-law to come out here and help us. And that's what John Burge did. He came out to uh, the vineyard. was just out of Lindock called Hillside Vineyards. Uh, and, um, yeah, they um, took up some land next door and that brought the Burges out to South Australia. And, um, yeah, we've, um, well, I'm actually fifth generation and we've been, um, you know, each generation has sort of done their own thing and made wine ever ever since. It, it is incredible. We I think we had a chat, but we can't remember who. But someone else was telling us about the, you know, the, the history in the South Australian history and how, you know, people from like in Adelaide they identified, you know, regions, you know, in say Barossa where it would feed people in Adelaide and water them. You know, as in they would grow stuff and they'd make wine and they'd they'd you know bring it all into market into um into Adelaide itself. Yeah. 
Well, that was the other thing. Apparently, uh, part of the deal was that you had to grow uh, um, something to feed the colony. So you yeah. you either had to, um, you know, depending on exactly where you were, whether you're in the hills and high rainfall and so forth, but all of the, uh, around where Corridon Park is, all of the properties all had pears and apples and mm-hmm. a lot of um, um, fruits and, um, you know, vegetable gardens and things that... Uh, uh, apparently, part of the arrangement was that if you took up whatever land you had, the percentage of your land had to grow food for the colony. So, um, you know, I mean, you can still see the terrace on Corriton Park, where we've now planted mainly vineyards, um, but you can still see terraces where they had all the fruit trees because obviously they worked them with horses and ploughs and so forth. So mm. over time, you got these, um, um, you know, terraces where you could see where the uh, the orchards used to be. Wow, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. fascinating, and it's so it's so ancient, uh, as in well, mm. not ancient like in Europe, <laughs> but um, yeah, so no. yeah, the history is, is so um, mm. uh, so long. No, we're we're so lucky in South Australia, and the only reason really South Australia has become sort of fifty percent of the Australian wine industry is that we we're just so fortunate that we never had that dreaded disease, phylloxera, mm. uh, which uh, you know is a parasite on the roots that. Uh, over seven, eight, ten years kills the vines, and uh, we're uh, South Australia and parts of Chile. I think are really the only two areas in the world that have never had phylloxera. So we're so fortunate we can just still plant striker vine or cutting and and you know plant the vines out, whereas everyone else has got to plant on um, you know the American rootstock. So and it, um, uh, yeah, the resistance of phylloxera back mm. back for a second time in the Yarra Valley at the moment. Mm. So it's uh, yeah, we haven't no, learned from our um, mistakes. Yeah. Um, well, it's a uh, it's a, um, a pretty easy thing to do. I mean, it is absolutely amazing that we've never we've never had it here. Um, and of course, hence, uh, as, as as I said earlier, that um, we're very fortunate um, to have all these old vines. It's only because the flocks have never <clears throat> really wiped them out, and yeah. uh, so um, you know, old vineyards have survived and. I mean, that's been uh, really what, uh, you know, I've done in my career uh, because I'm a great believer that, uh, you know, really top uh, wines are made from the vineyard. So, um, I, and that's why I've got so many different sites all around the Brossa because I ended up buying a lot of vineyards with all of these, um, you know, really ancient vines, which mm. just um, ultimately, I think, um, you know, determine the quality of your brand. Yeah, it's... A- it's certainly a theme that we uh, we see repeated. Um, Grant, we've we've got a uh, a text line here where people uh, listeners can can text in questions, and um, I'll just remind everyone it's zero four five six ninety six five ninety six five. Now I've had two questions. One, Andy from Bondi, um, yep. talking about um, one of your previous wines. Um, so yep. uh, he's had a, a two thousand and one Meshack. Um, and loved it, and a four-year-old 2018 that was a powerhouse. And so the question mm. is, for a standard vintage, do you have a preference um, for, you know, really old or, you know, that sort of, you know, four years old um, sort of wine? For that, that well, wine, me- like, Mesh- when, yep. when would you yep. prefer to, to drink a wine like that? Um, Meshack is... Um, um, well, we never used to release the wine until um, it was five years old. But Meshack was all about uh, making a wine that was 
big and bold as a useful wine that would last uh, at least uh, 20 years and some of them, you know, 30 and 35 years old. So the wine is actually built. We used to mature the wine um, anything from sort of 18 to 22 months uh, in barrel. Uh, we'd bottle it and we'd keep it three years before we'd release it. So uh, a few of the early ones we started making in 88. There wasn't an 89 and then 90s. Um, um, and the first few we released at four years old, but then we got into the routine of every, when they were five years old, we released them. So they um, were wines made to last sort of you know, 20 years at least. Mm. Uh, I think the best time to drink them is somewhere between 10 and 15. Uh, they're still on their way up. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But um, yes, at four years or uh, so, uh, they're a bit young. Um, they're big and bold. And, and of course, as time goes on, they sort of um, lighten off a bit in colour um, and you get a bit of a crust in the bottle, so they do lighten off. But they develop this really uh, silky, smooth, um, real... Um, leathery sort of um, character and um, really um, um, but when they're sort of 10 to 15 years old they've got all the age characters but they're still useful and um, you know still got plenty of time in them I mean I've had some that are 30 years old and they're still excellent but they're older wines it depends whether you really like the, the purples and that sort of vibrancy or you like the you know the beautiful old uh, really leathery life sort of characters Thank you. Good answer. Um, mm. Another question. Uh, this is from Christopher, who is a is a regular listener, and um, uh, he's asked, "Do you assist um, with the Barossa Boy wines at all?" Yes, well, uh, Barossa Boy is um, really my son Trent, who was a, a Barossa, <laughs> a young boy, <laughs> a Barossa Boy. Sixth uh, he's got generation. A wine called, he's got a wine called. Uh, um, which is a Shiraz Cabernet called Double Trouble, and uh, it was very apt because when he was ten, he was Double Trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, yes, well, look, the, uh, the the wines. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm a winemaker by, tra- uh, by trade, and uh, Trent's um, um, you know, learning the ropes uh, as well. And um, we've got a couple of other winemakers um, in our in our team, so we all work together. Uh, but uh, Trent on that one has really got the last say because it is uh, his his baby, and uh, but um, we all, we all see what's going on, taste the wines, and mm. give our opinion. But um, at the end of the day, Trent's the the final say, so uh, uh, it's really got to represent what he what he really wants, how he wants to portray his wines. Yep, excellent. I want to go back to the. By, by the way, getting back to the Meshack. Meshack, as I said, was a wine that was um, uh, had to have longevity about it. Meshack is actually named after my great-great-grandfather, Meshack William Burge. And um, when we were trying to think of a wine that had something to do with longevity, we sort of realised that he was born in 1843 and died in 1942, 99 years and nine months. And we thought that he was a fair analogy for longevity, so that's how the name came about. <laughs> Well, what's the um, <laughs> yeah? That's fantastic. What about Shadrach then? Well, the the, the story um, is um, comes from the uh, Book of Daniel in the Old Testament, um, um, chapter thirteen, I think it is, um, where uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, so that's where the names <laughs> come from. 
Uh, we, we obviously, through Meshach being my great-great-grandfather, that's where that started. And then once we knew the, the fable from the Bible, we, um, we we liked the other names as well and ended up uh, having the, the, all the three names as our <laughs> absolute premium one. Mm. Oh, I just wanted to go back to the late 70s and the uh, the the Virgin Wilson 79 Crondorf <laughs> that won the Jimmy Watson. So firstly, how did yep. that change things for you? And secondly... What's with what bit of a love affair with Krondorf? What's what's that? We want to know about yep. that. Kron, Krondorf, uh, well, actually, we still own the winery, um, and um, I, we we um, we were very fortunate because um, Ian Wilson was twenty five and I was twenty seven, um, and uh, we'd started making wine previously before that. Um, Jim Ingle, uh, we were both winemakers down at Southern Vales Co-op, and. Uh, we decided that we wanted to do a bit of our own thing, and Jim Ingleby, who um, uh, we knew well, said to us, "I'll oh, look, um, you know, make your wine with my in my cellar." And uh, you know, he sort of said to us, "I oh, will pay me when you can," uh, thinking that'll be years away. <laughs> anyway, we uh, started um, making some wine. In those days, it was quite different today. Table wine was the new thing, and of course, it was still at the end of the fortified days, so it was. Um, very easy to sell if you were really good winemakers and you get hold of some good grapes and make some really good wine. A lot of the you know Woodley wines, um, Hardy's, Wims, uh, Wolf Bluff are all in the market to buy really top table wine. So that's what we did. We went and bought the the grapes and uh, made the wine and sold it in bulk, and we were going quite well. But the the um, the crazy thing was that you couldn't make uh, what there was no facilities to really make a lot of white wine in McLean Vale. So um, being a brosser boy, and I used to play cricket on weekends uh, from my hometown of Lindock, and one of the winemakers there, Rod Chapman, uh, was the manager of Crondorf, and I was talking to him about it, and he said, oh, come and make your white wine up here. That's what we did for a few years. And then one day he said to us, oh, um, you guys ought to buy this winery because um, um, it's going to be sold after vintage. And we thought, oh, okay. And we'd already had some people say to us, um, or some businessmen in Adelaide say to us, you ever come an opportunity, come and see us about it. So uh, cut a long story short, we we did that. They all came up and had a look at us. On the way back in the car, we sort of on the back of the envelope worked out what we think it would be worth and um, ended up, um, as we as we um, knew it was for sale, the sort of went, up, went on the market, we put our offer in straight away. And we're absolutely, this is where life's changing um, events uh, can be uh, changed uh, quite significantly. But um, da- the Cronoff Winery was owned by Dalgetty Wine Estates. And uh, Dalgetty Wine Estates was the wine division of Dalgetty Australia. So on the Wine Estates board, there were three Australia representatives and two from the wine industry. And uh, anyway, um, we put our offer in on a Tuesday. They had a board meeting on the Friday and said, uh, any offers on the winery? And they said, oh, yes, yes, there's one offer already. Um, it's early days. There'll be more coming. And they said, well, no, they, you know, has this offer got bona fides? And they said, yeah, oh, yes, there's no problem about that. And they said, oh, well, I think we should accept the offer. And, and of course, the two winery representatives said, no, 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 we've got more. Offers coming in, um, um, you know, and they said, "Oh no, we we can't really wait. Let's um, let's uh, accept the offer." Anyway, they had to have a vote, and we won the vote. Three. 
Australia representatives voted to sell it, and the two um, wine industry guys said no, but we won the day three to two. So, uh, and we had put up our absolute last cent. So, uh, if we'd probably gone to the market, then over the next month we would never ever got it. But uh, mm. uh, fortune favoured us, and uh, we got it, and that became our, our big break. And then, of course, um, eighteen months later, or no, probably two and a half years later, we um, with a seventy-nine. Um, um, Cabernet, we uh, won the Jimmy Watson, and uh, that really just changed uh, everything. I mean, that mm. gave us so much publicity because Wolf Bluff had really, you know, won those three Jimmy Watson, made Jimmy Watson a, something to be uh, revered. And mm. of course, we won it, um, um, you know, a few years later. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it was rock star stuff. You had every paper <laughs> chasing you, and <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> The closest uh, that I've sort of come to being of that sort of status, and uh, uh, it was really heady, very exciting and heady times. And of course, um, you know, buying Crondorf, um, we did get a lot of publicity as well because it was really, I was 27, he was 25, and there was a lot of publicity just for people wanting to talk to us. How could you buy a wine? Because I actually took over the keys on my birthday, the 20th of January 1978. And, uh, um, you know, even that gave us a lot of publicity. So Crondorf became a huge um, hit. We were sort of doubling our sales from, you know, year to year. It was uh, an amazing, amazing time. I've been, I've been very, had an amazing uh, um, career in the wine industry. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, and we were so fortunate to have so much success while we were so young. Um, and so you said you own the winery. Do you own the brand, Crondorf? Uh, no, no, we don't. Um, what happened? Well, we've <laughs> this bought is the, the wine This is the Great Birch thing in the reverse, right? <laughs> yeah, we we bought um, we bought the winery in 1978, and we had uh, and we, we became a public because once again our sales were going crazy, and mm. we need to raise money to keep financing the stock. So in the, uh, luckily we had some pretty smart business people that were uh, with us and uh, they talked us into, uh, and we had the figures and we became, uh, we went public in 1983, public became a public company, raised $8 million and, um, uh, but of course, so we're a bit naive once you're in the public, um, severe, um, you're, um, uh, if anyone else values you more than you do, uh, uh, they can uh, you know make an offer to take you over, which mm. Mildara did. Uh, was in, that was an interesting time too because I went to the they made a formal offer to purchase something. Their shares were fifty one or fifty two cents, and um, they uh, they their first offer was seventy cents. And I remember thinking, oh, you know, the board controlled seventy percent of the company, so. I go along to the extra sixth annual meeting thinking that, you know, everyone will vote no. Everyone else voted yes except me. I was the only one who voted no. <laughs> but luckily, uh, we had 30% of the company and um, couldn't be sold. And a compulsory, you had to have 90% of the shares to get a compulsory takeover. So uh, Mildara had to come and negotiate with me um, for the for the shares because the board had recommended to sell them. I think most of the People had um, said yes, but I'd sort of held out and said no. And uh, I think in the end we got our shares. Uh, we were negotiating with Mildara. We got them up to 
87 cents or something when in fact um, I thought well uh, it's all too hard so we'll agree to sell as well um, so I got everyone else another 17 cents or something and um, I'm still waiting for them to throw money at me for the, the, the extra shares that they got yeah, the extra money they got for their shares I mean yeah, yeah. Um, you might, might be waiting a little while yet do you think? yeah I think so <laughs> um, no well, at the time Mildara um, bought us out and uh, so I went and worked for Mildara for a couple of years uh, before I, that was in 80, 1986. I worked for them for two years, 86 and seven, but I always had this, um, because I grew up in a small family business, Fulsford Wine, so I always had the dream of um, having my own business. So I uh, decided to leave at the end of 87 and February 88, we started um, uh, Grant Bench Wines with mm. my wife, Helen. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, oh, just by the way, Crondoff is now part of that. Um, Mildara got bought out ultimately by CUB. CUB split the, 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 the beer business and the winery business to Treasury Wine Estates. Um, and uh, then I think they bought um, um, the, uh, the bottling operation, Vinpack, and so forth. Um, and then, of course, um, Endeavour Drinks. Um, which is a part of Wool- was Woolworths uh, split, um, and the drinks division actually owned Endeavour Drinks, own the uh, the Crondor brand now, which um, they still uh, promote uh, fairly heavily um, through their uh, you know, Pinnacle brands um, in the brothel. Mm. It's amazing, isn't it, how things all kind of yeah change. It's I, good. Oh, I get to sell yeah. those wines, so that's good. Mm. Yeah, Richo mm. works mm. Uh, as a wine merchant at Dan Murphy. So right. He, um, and we have some of Trent and Amelia's wines too, so that's good too. Yeah, yeah. no, well, they're uh, they're um, so with Barossa Boy started um, um, just before COVID, um, and so he's sort of got a little bit more uh, depth and probably the Corridon Birch uh, because we started three years ago right in the middle of COVID, so we've sort mm-hmm. of been um, well, they've been held up a little bit. Um, but uh, just starting to really get going now. And uh, Amelia's got a brand, Amelia Bird Sparkling, which is uh, with um, Dan Murphy as well. And yeah. uh, that's that's starting to do um, very well as well, actually. Yeah. Oh, mm. It's fantastic. It's, it's great. Mm. It's, um, it's an a evolving dynasty. story it's and a dynasty. Absolutely yeah. it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, Grant, thank you. It's been fascinating hearing Wonderful. all the history and, yeah. you know, even, you know, back to your... Your family, you know, settling out here and, you know, all that sort of thing. So, um, yes, everyone's on my back to make uh, write, a, <laughs> uh, write an autobiography. And, um, yeah, yeah. there's um, every time I even think about it, I think, well, what a job that would be because, um, well, I'm 72 uh, now, and uh, it only seems like yesterday that we won that uh, Jimmy Watson and all of the. You know, I had seven years in McLaren Bar before we came back to the Brosser and, uh, you know, it's been an amazing, uh, amazing, uh, amazing um, journey in my winemaking career and uh, I, um, I don't have any regrets at all. Um, I'll do it all again. It's been, a, a, you know, great, something I'm very journey. proud of. Yeah, yeah, yeah fantastic. Um, so just, just quickly, is there somewhere we can, is there a cellar or that you're involved with that we can come and visit when we come to Barossa? Yeah, no, no, we've got a um, cellar bar at the 
Illapara Winery, where the, um, all our brands are represented, uh, because there's the Amelia Birch, the Corridon Birch, and Brosser Boy. Um, it's the um, um, Illapara Winery right in the main street of Tanunda. And uh, we call it the underground because it's um, representing the three brands. It is actually the old cellar, um, in the, um, and we've done all that up. And, uh, um, uh, and of course, cellar doors have changed uh, dramatically these days. You sort of, uh, rather than stand at the bar and taste wine, we actually have alcoves and uh, tables and chairs where everyone sits down and we have... Um, uh, with our um, whole tasting regime, we have um, uh, pairing with uh, little uh, um, nibbles of uh, food that uh, um, you know pair with the uh, the wine that we're showing everyone. It takes sort of a half an hour to do a tasting through the wine, and um, yeah, that's been incredibly uh, popular, and um, that's uh, really going well now. And we're getting some amazing uh, you know, feedback about the outside door, which we're. Uh, and we're um, incredibly fortunate. The staff are very hard to get at the moment uh, with the, the unemployment so low that we've got a really little band of um, staff at the door who do an amazing job. And uh, it must be because we get these amazing reviews about uh, the quality of our staff at our cellar door, which we're once again very proud of. Yeah, oh, well done. And it's a great spot, mm. Tananda, you know, it's cracking town. Yep, yep. yep. Um, uh, so... Yeah. Uh, we uh, look. We'll, we'll chat again, Grant. And um, thank yep. you. It's been been really a real privilege. Thank you. Yes, I agree, yeah. Richard. That's absolutely yep. nice to say. Mm, um, thanks very much for having me. Um, yes, as you say, I haven't uh, done an interview like this for a very long time, but um, I'm still as passionate as ever, uh, and we're sort of standing right behind our children. And uh, we're incredibly lucky, Helen and I, that uh, we've got three children that have all all involved in the business, and um, that's why we decided to do what we've done. I mean, um, selling my name, sort of half of me hates it, but <laughs> don't have to worry where the next sort of dollar's coming from. So from that point of view, uh, we're very good. And, uh, and uh, you know, as I said, we're still as passionate as ever, so uh, it was a way for us to stay, and we've got all our vineyards and our two wineries, and uh, our kids involved. So, uh, you know, if we can develop the new brands, um, you know they'll be they'll be um, they'll be they'll be set, which will make him and I very proud. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic! I love the story. Um, Grant, thank you. Safe travels back to uh, to home, and um, yep, and uh, yeah, we'll be in touch and uh, and have a chat down the track. Enjoy uh, it. Thank you. Th- thanks, Grant.